Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Hey, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from Out of Ashes Ministries in DeRitter, Louisiana. I hope you're doing well today, and uh, we are experiencing at the publishing of this uh, podcast, this show, we are experiencing uh, in South Louisiana an Arctic um, air mass and it's cold, and we're not okay. <laughs> so uh, I know that everyone across the nation is dealing with this. I hope you guys are all well, uh, and I hope that you're staying safe and everybody is good, and it is great to be with you guys today. Um, we uh, want to say hello and welcome to everybody, but especially uh, anyone who's dropping by for the first time. Uh, welcome to the podcast, to the radio show. We are privileged to be able to air every week uh, on Hebrew Nation. And I want to thank everybody there for making this possible, and uh, thank all you guys for being a part of the Image Bears Radio family. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about a lot of different things, a lot of different uh, issues uh, from a lot of different directions, and we hopefully ask better questions in order to get better answers. So uh, if that's what, if you're interested in that, then cool, stick around and welcome. Just also want to mention real quick. Uh, that uh, I am the privileged to be the pastor at Out of Ashes Ministries here in uh, DeRitter, Louisiana, southwest Louisiana, the ankle of the boot, as it were. And uh, we are a uh, uh, Torah-pursuant congregation uh, that uh, would love to have you join in on Shabbat if you would like, either locally or uh, we do live stream to uh, our website, outofashesministries.org. And we also simulcast to Facebook, YouTube, and we have uh, a mobile app as well. You can search us up. And uh, so anywhere you would like to join, we'd love to have you guys on Shabbat join in. Say Shabbat Shalom. And uh, we do worship. We do read the Parsha, the Haftarah, and the Gospels. And then we usually have a teaching. And so, um, yeah, stop by if you're uh, if that sounds like something you're looking for. And uh, we'd love to say Shabbat Shalom to you. And uh, so... We are talking, uh, the last, last week we started a new series, kind of, uh, mimicking, not mimicking, following, excuse me, following along with the series we've been doing on Shabbat, uh, which is, I am entitling it, What Do You Want? And so today we are going to continue that conversation. We are about six weeks behind, uh, the Shabbat teachings, but, uh, wanted to, continue this conversation here because there's some things that have come up since I have taught, you know, certain lessons, some things that have come up and I want to I want to talk about those things and discuss those things with you uh, on here. So if you're listening to both, you get kind of the best of both worlds. All right, so we're going to pray and then after we pray, we're going to jump in to this week's episode. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and King, we bless you, Father, for your incredible mercies. We bless you for your hand on our lives that has guided us and led us to this place. We pray, Father, that as we discuss our identity and who we are, how we can become better image bearers, that you would enable us and empower us to do so. Amen.
All right, guys and gals. So like I said, uh, this is a series, again, that is uh, sort of following along behind our our current Shabbat teaching series, uh, which is entitled, What Do You Want? And uh, we talked last week, was kind of our intro to this. So if you uh, are just catching this episode, then please go back to last week and um, and check out that episode as the intro and the preview to this series and what it's going to be all about. Um, we have had this journey uh, into the Torah, and some of you have been two years, six months, uh, 16 years, 20 years, you know, whatever it may be, and there is still some, uh, there's still a lack of settling, it seems like, and I don't mean settling like, well, we reached it, we'll just kind of, you know, stay here. There is a lot of that. But there's a uh, there seems to be a, a, this hunger and desire for more still, right? So we there's a, there's a conversation that Yeshua has in the Gospel of John, Yohanan, in the first chapter, where actually two of Yohanan uh, HaMagbil, uh, John the Baptist disciples, uh, follow after Yeshua, and Yeshua turns to him and says, "It depends on what translation you you read." But he says basically, "What are you What are you looking for? What do you want?" And um, I I began to to think about that question. I thought, man, if you know, if if I had the opportunity to to talk to Messiah, you know, face to face, um, and you know, what would that conversation even look like to begin with, right? Um, would it would it just be me falling on my face and you know grabbing his ankles or whatever and just honoring and you know worshiping or or would it be a conversation? Would he be like, no, 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 come on, like let's have a conversation. I appreciate the worship, but let's let's have a conversation. I mean, these guys, you know, he he just asked them, "What do you want?" And I don't know that I could answer that question except with like Sunday schoolish type answers. And not that Sunday school answers are wrong, but I hope you understand what I mean when I say Sunday school answers. You know, um, where the answer to everything is Jesus, right? <laughs> the answer to everything is Jesus. Um, that, that's not the kind of answers that we want to, we want to give. We want to, we want to actually have some substance to the answer that we would give. What do you want? Um, I just want you. Great. You got me. Now what? Right. That's kind of the, the idea is that we, we have Yeshua, right? He is, uh, he is our, he is our Messiah. He's our savior. He, you know, he's our constant help. He's all of those things. We have him. Great. Now, what do we like? OK, because we have him. That's the that's the pivot point because we have him. Where do we go from there? And this is a question that I've really uh, honestly been trying to answer for years and years and years. So uh, we are talking about uh, defining who we are and, and we're going to do a lot of identity work. We have been doing in on Shabbat a lot of identity work on in this this uh, this side. And this is a little different than what we do on Shabbat because on Shabbat I have a group of people that talk back to me, so we we have a lot of interface. Uh, this is not so much like that. So uh, we're, we're going to have to do some different stuff here on the podcast or the show for, just because of that. So we have uh, some different ways of talking about identity, and we're going to get into some of those. And I, I think this is really a time and a season for for us and and. It's really, I, I want to be really careful not to make, you know, broad, generalized statements, too generalized. 
but I don't necessarily know that this conversation is for every believer, right? I'm not saying that, you know, believers, especially Torah believers all over the world need to have, need to go through this, you know, are in this season and need to go. I don't know that. But I do know for OAM, this is where we are. And anyone who attaches themselves to us, you know, or joins together with us or comes alongside of us, however you want to think about that, is going to, you know, benefit from this, this same season and the same walk. So when we ended last week, we talked about some, this concept that, you know, our observance, our, uh, our, our habits, our lifestyle really tells us who we are. And at Sukkot this year, I really felt like this year was going to be that something big was brewing. Something big was hap- was was you know in the works for this year. Now, for those of you guys that don't know me well or, or haven't followed me, you know, for a long time, um, I'm not the hear from God every other you know minute of the day kind of person. Uh, I wish I was sometimes. Sometimes I'm glad I don't. Um, but uh, the last time this thing really happened, where I really felt like a stirring and like okay, something is something's brewing. Uh, was about four years ago at Sukkot, actually. And uh, I felt we were still in a rented building. We were in a storefront, old storefront building that was kind of starting to deteriorate around us. And I felt something moving, something, you know, we, we were supposed to expect something big uh, that year. And uh, it was 2018, Sukkot of 2018. And the next year, the next March... Uh, February, March, COVID hit, and then that April, we bought the building that we're in now. Uh, three acres, 5,000 square foot uh, facility, beautiful place, uh, pond, you know, all just an awesome, awesome oasis kind of place. And so that was the last time I really felt this kind of stirring and, you know, this this thing. So it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I can usually trust it pretty well. And so I really feel like this year for OAM... And by extension, you know, for any of you guys out there and gals out there that uh, consider yourself a part of our family or you like what we do or, you know, you just uh, you kind of in the grain and the groove with us. Uh, I feel like this is another uh, pivotal year, a year where things are going to kind of move and shake. And uh, there's going to be some some big things happening this year. I really I really sense that and feel like there's a stirring there. And so what this series is about is is about preparing for that and about making sure that we're in the posture and the position to, you know, to be where God wants us to be so that we can, we can be right along him. When he says move, we're ready to move. Or when he says stop, we're, you know, we're good. We know where we are and we know what's, what's expected of us. And so my sense at Sukkot was that this year is a year that our observance has to increase. Our observance has to increase. And this is kind of the, the, the preface or the, 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 the unction for this whole series, our observance this year has to increase over what it, what it has been. Now, that's easy enough to say, well, we just do more stuff. But the, the idea is not to do more stuff. First of all, we have to even define what observance is. And this is where we left off last week. Observance. When we talk about our lifestyle and who we are, we're talking about observance. And what does that really mean? And so we, we have some synonyms. If you don't, you know, if the word observance doesn't really connect with you or land with you, there may be some other words that do. 
so observance is one. Another one would be halakha in the, the in the Jewish you know uh, Jewish space. You have kind of two big, and this is a generalization, generalization, but you have two kind of big sides to uh, your life, your lifestyle, who you are, how you uh, live your life, uh, theologically, religiously, etc. And one of those is is called Musar, M-U-S-S-A-R. Musar is kind of the ethical part, the uh, you know the the motivation, the why, the the the, the deep understanding part, the heart part, and the other is halakha, is just how you walk. It's what you do. It's the deeds, the acts, right? The things that you do. And I know in, in, in Christianity, we've talked about these two sides and they, and we have the whole faith versus works. You know, in Christendom, the Musar side would seem like faith and the Halakha side would kind of seem like works. But then those lines get blurred a little bit and, and it's a difficult conversation. It's one that Christianity has struggled with for a long time. Judaism doesn't struggle with it. They're, you, you have a, they are more heavily focused on what you do. Uh, overheard a conversation a few months back, and uh, or someone was telling me this, telling me this story from a, a friend of theirs, and uh, this friend of theirs visited a uh, a reform synagogue, and um, you know he was going to go in there and tell them why they needed you know Yeshua and and all the stuff, and 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 uh, they they basically told him like, look, we don't care what you believe, we care what you do. And and that is that is a you know that is probably one of the most Jewish statements you could you could make from what I from what I have gathered. So when we talk about observance, we're talking about observance. Obedience is another one. We talked about halakha, right? And so obedience is another one. Uh, you know, halakha or observance may seem like a really just a Torah thing, but I'm not talking about just a Torah thing. That, that's what we're going to end up focusing on. But just general obedience, general obedience. If if we took if, if we never learned another thing about the Torah, if we never had another nugget, we never, you know, learned another, you know, uh, writing from the, the, the Talmud or we never, you know, studied another commandment, another mitzvah, whatever. We have enough right now to be obedient enough to where it would it would change our world, our lives, our families and the world around us if we were just obedient to what we already know. And so we can talk about observance or halakha, which makes it, again, sound like more of a, a, a Torah thing, but just general obedience, just how you walk out your life based on what you know. Another way to talk about this is faithfulness, right? Again, faithfulness to what you know. You don't, you're not required and you're not accountable to be faithful in areas that you have no knowledge or understanding. You are faithful to be, or you are required and accountable to be faithful in what you know. Now that does not, that is not, or should not prohibit you from learning more. However, whatever you have accepted and whatever you know now, just worry about being faithful with those things. As Messiah said to him, whom, uh, to much is given, much is required. But I, he said, I also taught us that he would, only give more when we were faithful with a little, right? And so faithfulness. Another word we could use would be habits. 
habits. What are your natural habits? And th- you guys got to understand, if you haven't followed us on Shabbat, this is going to be, th- this whole series is a lot of you work. You know, I was thinking this week about, or last week, I guess, about, you know, the 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 thing we used to say or the thing some people say about their church, whatever, you know, like, I just don't get, I'm not fed. I'm not being fed there, right? And there is, that is absolutely legitimate. There are some, you know, some places where the the pastor, the preacher, the, you know, worship leader, the whatever, they're just not doing their job. They are not digging it. They are not, you know, they're not being, uh, they're not growing. They're not, you know, striving and pushing. They're just there doing a job, doing a whatever, you know, or however it is. Or maybe that's just, anyway, there are places like that. It's a legitimate statement at, you know, at some points and junctures. But I feel like it gets way overused or it has the, the propensity to be way overused in that you can't say I'm not getting fed if you're not willing to work as hard to eat as you expect your teacher, preacher, pastor to work to feed you. Let me say that again. You can't say, well, I'm just not being fed there. If you are not willing to work to eat, to do the work to eat, as hard as you expect your preacher, your pastor, to work to feed you. You have to do the work. You have to do more work than them. And see, and this is, I know I'm shat. Well, wow, that's a that's an epiphany. It is an epiphany. It is an epiphany because we all know, we all know probably a dozen dozens. You may have a big friend circle or a big you know circle of influence or our you know social circle. You may know hundreds of people that have this thing about going to church to get fed. They, they, you know, they do their thing all week, which is good. And and I'm not saying they're not godly people. This is not a, like a judgment. I'm just saying the attitude is, well, I work all week. I do my thing all week, whatever. Sunday is my time for me to get recharged and refilled. Right. And that's what we talk about it. We talk about, you know, Sunday is the time to get refilled. And you go, well, Joe, this is a Torah thing. What do you, hang on, I'm getting there. Hey, just slow your roll. Don't get ahead of me. And we just work to get fed. We just come there to get fed. And we go, well, I'm not getting fed. But the thing, the, the earth-shattering part of this, the, the epiphany part of this is that you should be working as hard spiritually to eat during the week as you expect your preacher to work to be able to feed you. As a matter of fact, I believe you should be working harder, harder to eat. And because you are responsible for you. Is your preacher or pastor responsible for you? He's responsible or she is responsible for what they impart into you, what they teach you, how they care for you. They are responsible for those things. They are not not capital N O T. They are not responsible for everything you believe, everything you think, the entire totality of how you understand scripture. They are not responsible for those things. You are. Now, now let's talk about the Torah walk. Sadly, some of this has carried over from our previous you know, engagements, churches, whatever, into the Torah world where we just want somebody to feed us. 
and it doesn't work like that, right? Now, the opposite can be true where we don't want anyone to feed us and we are an island unto ourselves and we have off, we have found all truth and you're wrong and they're wrong or, or he's wrong and she's wrong and I'm the only one that's right. Well, that's mighty awfully convenient, right? Like we say all the time. You know, we have tend to have this attitude in this movement that the the church has it all wrong, the Jews have it all wrong, and thankfully, now we're on the scene and we have it all right. And and the Lord has come, right? <laughs> Which is an asinine and arrogant way to think about this stuff. Think about ourselves, right? And and what we're what we're doing. And so we, what we're talking about is not being so lazy in our spirituality that we expect someone to do all the work for us, but also understand that we have the responsibility to, to study and to pray and to spend time thinking, thinking. I'm not talking about doing a 5, 10-minute, 15-minute, 20-minute devotion every day and going, okay, I did my thing, cool, or do your prayer time and go, okay, that's cool. But then how are you thinking about or the devotion that you had today? Is it staying in your mind throughout the day? Are you thinking about it? Are you asking questions about it? Do you want to go back to it and read it a different way? That's the part that your pastor or teacher can't do for you. That's your responsibility. The other side of the, 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 the spectrum, though, is just as dangerous. The other side of the spectrum being that I now am not accountable to anyone. I'm not going to be under anybody. I am accountable to God himself. The Holy Spirit, the scripture says, will lead me into all truth. And so I don't need any man or any person or anybody to teach me anything. I will find all truth. And that is equally as dangerous. That that attitude has led to so many people just walking away from God altogether. Because truth is not meant to be found or lived in the absence of community. The Bible is a book about community. It's a book about a nation, tribes, families, clans. And so you cannot live truth in isolation. The problem with that, that understanding is that the more isolated you get, the more there's this this attitude that, well, the more, um, you know, because Yeshua said narrow is the gate and few find it. Man, some people take that scripture really seriously, really to heart. And so the more niche, the more out, the more uh, or the, the less acceptable a thought or a, an opinion or, or an interpretation is, then the more true it must be. Right. So we have a couple of different. We have a couple different um, really like sick ways of, of thinking about this stuff that we have here in this movement. And one of them is that that very thing is that the more out the, the, or the, the less popular an idea and interpretation is, the, the more true it must be, because this is the this is the shaking out. This is the the filtering. This is the winnowing out that Yeshua is doing. The other interpretation or the other thing that's really toxic is that the older a belief is, the more true it is, the more original. And that we want that old time 
that oh I want to I want to live like they lived in the Hebrew era. I want to live like they lived in the you know just coming into the land or in the wilderness or whatever. No, you don't. You don't. And the fact is, you might want to, but you don't live there. You live in 2024 with all of its challenges, just like they had whenever they were first hearing some of these things for the first time. So it's incumbent upon us to fall into the tradition of interpretation and halakha and and these things and discussion and debate and coming to a consensus where we can move forward. All right, next segment will be right around the corner. So, hey, don't go anywhere. Stick around, and we'll be right back. everybody welcome back to the second segment in this episode of image bearers radio so as we are talking about um this year and what uh what you know what is to come we are talking about increasing our observance obedience halakha faithfulness we talked about habits um and and, and we're going to look at the last kind of synonym we're using to to talk about this uh what we're we're looking for in you know this next year at least this will probably go longer than a year uh, not this series necessarily, but this uh, this learning and, and hopefully you know we will do this the rest of our lives. Um, so habits, we talk about habits and what are your natural habits? What are your natural habits? You know, the 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 spiritual habits that you have. Maybe it is reading a devotion every day. It is praying every day. It is, you know whatever it is your natural habits. Uh, you have habits that are natural to you. That are not natural to everybody else, you know, and there is some family. I said this this past Shabbat, you know, uh, I've been away from my family for and only a couple of hours away. But still, you know, we're busy. They're busy. They've got families. I've got family, whatever um, that, you know, 20 years away, you uh, you 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 know, you're not there. You're not every day with them and, and blah, 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 blah. And so you lose contact for times. And, you know, there's distance, and just natural things that happen. And um it really, it really takes away some of the context of who you are as a person if you don't have family around. Uh, and so, the last couple of years, we've, we've kind of made an effort to really, you know, start talking more and things like that. And uh, man, wow, it is, it is amazing how strong some of those family, uh, family things are. Right? There's the whole nature versus nurture debate, right? And uh, the the nature, you know, I I believe in in nurture, and there, you know, there's there's I believe that uh, circumstances, life, you know, people outside things do contribute to who we are and, and how we see life and and those things. But man, hey, uh, nature, whew, nature is is strong, right? <laughs> and so uh, for me, it's like man, the Amos is, is strong in this family, right? And I and I know that everybody has that thing. You have things and habits that you do, and then you have habits that you have created, whether uh, constructively or destructively. Uh, you have uh, you know destructive habits that you have done. Maybe you are addicted. To, you have an addiction, or you have a a way of reacting to things that is habitual. Um, I went through a long period and still do to some point, but where when I get stressed or I get anxious, I start to sigh really deep and it's, it's annoying. It annoys me. It actually makes me more 
anxious than I was before. But th- this, you know, that's kind of it's a it's a destructive habit. It's it's not right. It's it's how I react. There's some toxic habits that you have, but there are also some great habits that you have that you have developed over the years, and those things uh, are good and right. And so, habits are things that we do. Right. They are actions. They come out usually of a belief or a, a goal or, a, you know, some, something like that. But they are things that we do. They are how we actually live and navigate and move through this life. And habits, we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks, but habits create a feedback loop, what we'll call a feedback loop in our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, if you believe that you are, um, you know, I don't know, let's just take a trait. If you believe that you are inconsistent, and that's one of your, you know, one thing that you would really like to, to work on and do better and be better about, and you believe that you're inconsistent, and you say, okay, I'm going to set a schedule for my weekday, my morning routine, my weekday morning routine, I'm going to set a schedule. And I'm going to start being consistent on that. Okay, I'm going to do this when I wake up. Blah blah blah. I'm going to I'm going to pray Mode Ani when I wake up, and then I'm going to go to the restroom. And I'm going to you know after I go to the restroom, I'm going to pray the the restroom prayer, and then you know eat breakfast and blah blah blah, and say the blessing and, and all you know all the things before I go to work. Okay, great. If you do that one day, two days, three days, you go. Okay, maybe I am more I am able to be more consistent than I thought I was. Day. Four, day five, good, Shabbat, okay, good. You can go to fellowship and tell everybody, like, hey, I'm, do- yeah, I'm doing great. Good, you know, day one, Sunday of the next week, you come on, and, and you might do good for a, a couple of weeks maybe, you know, seven, ten days, and then something happens and you just fall out of the groove. And then you start being inconsistent again. Well, that will create a feedback loop to tell you, no, you really are inconsistent. You just faked it or you just, you know, you just managed to hold it together for these many days. But you're who you really are is this inconsistency. And that creates a feedback loop. And your habits will reinforce who you are or who you think you are, you believe you are, right? So again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we're talking about habits. All right. The last way that we want to think about or, or I propose that we think about observance and, and what we're in, trying to improve this next next year. The next way I want to think about it is systems. Systems. I love this way of thinking about it because to me, a system is something that can be changed. But once a system is set, it's a system. If you want a certain outcome, you have to have a certain input, and then you go through the system, and it comes. It should come out the way it's supposed to. And then, if tweaks need to be made to the system to get a different outcome, you can. But you you have a you have a foundation, right? You have something there that you can that you can trust, that you can rely on. I think that's really helpful. And so, let's talk about systems. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about the way you live, your actions, your behaviors. I mean, most of us have thought of, you know, um, we, you know, we've been talked to and we've studied about obedience most of our lives. We've studied about faithfulness, you know, um, halakha may be a new term for you, but it's just walk how you walk out what you believe. Uh, and, and that may be not something that you're really used to and comfortable thinking about. You may have a background that really focused on belief, making sure your beliefs were right. 
making sure that what you understood and how you believe scripture, that part was right. But maybe you didn't spend or you didn't have much teaching on actually how to live those things out once you got the belief right, right? Habits is something that most of us have heard, you know, about and done some thinking about and, and understand as a thing. But when it comes to living, the, the idea of a system may not be something that you're familiar with. So systems, a way of thinking about our lives, uh, especially our observance, our Torah observance, our faithfulness to Hashem, the idea of our actions, our obedience, our habits as a system or systems is something we're going to explore as we talk about this uh, a little bit more. So as we ended last week, we you know I brought up this this idea that, well, this all sounds great, but it sounds like it could get really stagnant and really uh, uh, robotic, right? And this this phrase that you may have heard, I've heard it, you may have said it, I've said it, well, you know, uh, uh, another synonym for this we could talk about is ritual. Oh, man, and this one scares a lot of people. I have been scared. I have preached against ritual, right, <laughs> and and uh, and all these things. But ritual is another great uh, synonym that we can use for what we're talking about and how we're talking about growing. Now, all these things basically in my mind mean the same. They, they probably don't technically mean the same thing, but I'm using them to try to give you an opportunity to latch on to this idea at some point. So again, whatever word or term works for you, I have grown actually love the term ritual because ritual like system is something that is set that is done. And if you if you engage in the ritual long enough, it will transform who you are. It actually remakes parts of who you are. Right. And so habit ritual, the same kind of idea works for both. And, and you know, like it or not, guys, I, you know. I'm not sure everybody I'm talking to where your stance is on, you know, ritual, uh, because the word ritual, the idea of ritual can be kind of divisive uh, and it doesn't need to be. Uh, the Bible is is a, is full of ritual. The Bible is full of ritual. Here's the problem is that if we if we don't see it as ritual, which, you know, uh, ritual really is is like I said, it's it's everywhere. The Bible is full of you know, um, of of ritual all all over the place, and you know, here's the the thing about ritual: the ritual is 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 just a, a system of act, a, a series or a system that contains acts performed, um, you know, a certain way. They're they're prescribed. I think about Yom Kippur, right? When you think about ritual. Um, you think about Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur is very, very, it's choreographed. There's a very systematized way that the Kohen Gadol does all the things, et cetera, et cetera. So much so that he has to literally study for a week, you know, starting a week, he has to begin refreshing on how everything is done. And so we think about ritual man. think of how many things in scripture are ritual. Well, everything relating to the temple, which is a huge body of, of things. But even those things that are not related to the temple. So we think of temple as like priest, right? Well, everything priestly is ritual. And what does that mean? Well, it just means it's a series of acts that are are pre-described and prescribed um, that that you know are put together to to do. 
But we think about priest in one sphere, and we think about prophet maybe in the other sphere, right? And prophet is kind of the there man. It seems like nothing is ritual for them. It's you know they just they're they're those loose cannons out there, man, that God speaks to, and their you know their their hair is weird, and their clothes are disheveled, and they just you know they're kind of quirky, and and uh, and nobody really knows what to expect from them. But man, when Hashem speaks, they just you know, and yet. The scripture tells us stories of these these prophets that do things like, hey, lay on your left side. Now turn over and lay on your right side. Or, hey, go and lay on top of this boy, right, with your nose to his, and, and he'll come, you know, he'll, he'll be resurrected. Like, there, there are ritual even in the prophetic writings. There are, there are, are prescribed acts that, that work together in a system. Here's the problem with ritual. If we, if we don't, understand what ritual really is then to us it can look like magic it can look like some kind of sorcery some here's here's what i mean if you see yom kippur right if you don't understand what ritual is and you just see yom kippur as well there's all these things that they do and then there's an outcome then it looks like magic. It looks like witchcraft, and it looks like manipulation. And it leads us to believe that, well, we have to do a certain prescribed order of things in order to get an outcome. And while that may have played some role in the way the ancients thought about some of these offerings and sacrifices and things, we know enough to know now that Hashem is not a genie. And he is not going to be manipulated by what we do. See, this is why my statement in the first segment about this idea that whatever is the oldest way, that's we think that's the most true. No, the beautiful thing about Scripture is that there is there are Scripture, uh, you know, commentates on itself. And so what was what was good and right in one place and appropriate in one place might not necessarily be appropriate anymore. Look at the times throughout the history of Israel where they were allowed to eat on high places beside to the temple, and then other times they were not, and then they were, and then they were not. There's an appropriate way because the Bible is not about do and don't. The Bible is about wisdom. The Bible is about understanding, knowing enough to be able to understand not just to say, okay, God, give me a list of do's and don'ts. Do this, do don't, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Do this at this place at this time, period. No, the Bible's not going to do that, and God is not going to do that. The problem is we see the Torah as that sometimes. I remember when I first came to the Torah, I, I was so sick of the spiritual nonsense, the spiritual hooey that I had been involved in for so many years in the church, and and I just wanted something concrete. And when I found the Torah, I remember I remember saying to myself, like, there's a like I've been wanting to know how to please God. There's actually a check. There's actually a list in the Bible, not a checklist like that. But there's a there's a list in the Bible of like how you how God wants us to please him. I could not believe that this this actually existed. And yet, as I studied more and more and more, I realized, wait, that's not what this is at all. Right. Because I'll go back to my favorite example. The guy, the Bible says, you know, the Shabbat is the highest day of all days. It's higher than any festival. 
It's higher than the new moon. It's higher than Yom Kippur itself. Shabbat takes precedent over all the other holidays. It's the first day of create of of the of the festival days, right? Okay, so that's really important, right? So there should be a ton of explanation in Scripture about how to keep Shabbat that and honor its place, right? Good. So how many laws governing Shabbat does the Torah give us? Well, like four, right? Um, depending on how you count them, right? So you got, remember the Shabbat and keep it holy. You could say those are two, whatever. I'll say two just for the sake of argument. And then what else? Um, don't kindle a fire. Okay, that's three. Um, don't do any work. That's four, right? Um, have a solemn assembly. That's five. Um, what else? That's pretty much it, right? Some of you out there are saying, don't buy and sell. Mm-mm-mm. Not a Torah commandment. Not a Torah commandment. That's Nehemiah's uh, decree, uh, which is good, right? It's good, but it's not in the Torah. So see, the more we study these things, we have to start understanding, wait, there's a bigger picture here than just what the Torah says, black and white. Ritual is not a a set of prescribed actions in order to get an outcome. Ritual is things that we do, acts that we do, because we want to become a different—it's supposed to transform us. The ritual is supposed to be uh, transformative. Why do we uh, take—why do we, you know, for those that do uh, Kiddush or or, or do communion or, you know, do— the remembrance that is a ritual guys it's a prescribed you know some prescribed acts that we do and what is it supposed to do it's supposed to remind us of yeshua it's supposed to remind us of his body his blood right his his offering of himself for us and his teaching and his life and it's supposed to supposed to make him present with us right that's ritual the ritual the 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 what the ritual is supposed to produce is supposed to be in us personally and as a community but the ritual is not supposed to change god that's magic that's manipulation and witchcraft and that's not what we're talking about so if we can get a good and a decent understanding of ritual then now we have a little better idea of how ritual can fit into our lives and the truth is have you ever gone on a diet or have you ever uh, joined a gym? Or have you ever started walking? Or have you ever done things to improve your health? You know what those things are? Rituals. <laughs> they are rituals. And their their outcome is to change you. There's things that you do to change you. That's what a ritual is. Okay? To, to invoke a remembrance, uh, to recall and to to create change in us, right? So we've talked about increasing our observance, right? Our obedience, our halakha, our faithfulness, our habits, our systems, our ritual. Now, the statement is often made, and again, I've made this statement before, well, ritual quenches the spirit. Ritual are all, all these things you're talking about seem really stagnant? And, and what about the freedom of the spirit, right? If I get too systematized or too habitual uh, or too ritualistic, then, then I'm, I'm not in truth anymore because the spirit doesn't have room to move. Well, as we talked about last week, you know, 
you might uh, you might have heard this wisdom about having a family budget or having a financial budget, right? If you don't have a financial budget, the the truth is you're probably not broke, but you probably don't have much money stashed away. And I don't mean like a form. I don't mean you have to have like an Excel spreadsheet budget, but I mean you understand like you have something, some sense of where money is going. If you don't have that, you're probably broke or you don't have much uh, money left at the end of the month, right? What a budget does is it does constrict you, and it's supposed to. That's the point. The point is to constrict you to your responsibilities, and so those things can be taken care of. But it also lets you know exactly how much you do have left over. It, it, it uh, all a budget is is just an accountability. It's just a it's just a system to tell you where your money is. That's it. It's not supposed to control you, but it's just to show you where things are going. And then you have all the freedom in the world then to to move stuff around, to save some, to spend more, because at least you know where things are going, right? What my proposal is is that in our walk this this year, as we begin especially the festivals, Pesach, and, and as we go through the festivals, I really want us to have a focus on our spiritual budget, our how do our rituals, how do our systems, how do our our how does our halakha show us where our life, our character, and everything is allocated, where it's budgeted and where it's allocated? How does the how do the the things that we are are doing as Torah believers? How does how do those things? show what we really believe and where we really are because we can fool ourselves right we can justify ways of thinking maybe we're good we're, we're i'm growing i got all truth i'm cool i'm good i found torah now i don't need anything else well that's not really the truth there's always room to grow and always room to move and so as we you know as we discuss this stuff more the 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 things that we're talking about are supposed to be audit audit uh, auditory, not auditory. That means hearing. Uh, they're supposed to be um, <laughs> they're supposed to function as a self audit, as an inventory for yourself to show you where you are and where you where you can grow and to produce change in you, right? Because the truth of the matter is that we we've all all of us listening probably have come you know through the cross. We we we've been born again. We, we understand Yeshua and, and, and his role and that he came to, you know, draw us close to the Father. He laid down his life for us. He taught us what the Torah really was about, you know, and, and how to live. He reached, he, you know, made it able for the covenant to be expanded to the nations, all, you know, all the things, right? But there's a couple things that the cross did not do, and I want to end with this. Number one, the cross did not give us a free ticket requiring no involvement. Yeshua's offering up of himself and, and his death did not did not free us from all requirement. Like, well, you know, this old song, and I love this song, so I'm not picking on it. I'm just using an example. But Jesus paid it all, right? All to him I owe, right? He paid it all. He did everything, right? He did everything. Now all I have to do and all I'm responsible to do and all I get to do is just sit down and enjoy the benefits of what he did. No, no. We think that the cross is the end of the journey. We think that Yeshua's death and, and his gift to us is the end of the journey. Like, well, you suffered through this life and, you know, you were addicted and you were in bondage and you were blah, blah, blah. 
but now you got Jesus. It's the end. You made it. Congratulations. Now rest. No. Yeshua, turning our life over to Yeshua and becoming a believer is just the beginning, actually, to a whole new life. All right, number two. The other thing that the cross didn't do on the other side of the spectrum is that it did not place the burden on us as like, well, Yeshua gave up his life. Now you have to work your way to heaven. That's also inaccurate. It's not a faith or works type of of thing. It's faith and works working together, together, that we have to believe and we have to walk out that belief or we have to walk out what we believe. It has to be both. Just knowing about Shabbat is not gonna is not gonna do anything for you. Going like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fully believe 100 that the biblical day, uh, you know, of worship is Shabbat. Yep. Uh, okay. So so is that when you worship? Oh no 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 no. Uh, okay. So what good? So um, why? And what what is your? I don't know. That's incongruent in my mind. And you go, well, I, well, okay, but I still worship on Sunday because that is the day that honors Yeshua's resurrection. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Uh, I, I get that. And, and yeah, and I, I understand. Um, so so what about the truth being the Shabbat and you not doing? So how does that square in your mind, right? So it's not what we believe, it's what we do. And it's the combination of those two things. For us, we focus more on what we do because we grew up understanding it's what we believe, right? All right, so this week I want you to start thinking about your obedience, your halakha, your systems, your rituals, and how those show you who you really are. Do that homework, and we'll be back again next week. Till then, shalom, shalom. 